Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. Todd Buckingham here, joined by Zach Dosh and Greg Steeman. Welcome, gentlemen. Good evening, guys. Good to be here. So I wanted to start with some news that just broke maybe an hour ago. Um, Denver guard Coben Porter, who's been out for the season with a torn ACL, was arrested, uh, got in a two-vehicle accident at, at about 2 in the morning Denver time. Uh, this morning and was arrested on on vehicular manslaughter or something to that effect. Um, it, the story did not mention alcohol being involved, uh, but I, I would assume, you know I would assume it's some sort of two vehicle thing that that then the driver in the other vehicle uh, did die. I also did not mention if anyone was in the vehicle with Coben, but uh, son of a ton more to that other than boy it's been an, a year for some odd news in the Summit League. Yeah, I, I don't uh, certainly not going to really analyze the situation at all or anything like that. Just kind of let it play out. And, you know, I don't know. I guess I really don't know what else to say. Yeah, yeah, there isn't much else to say. It's just yeah. one of those things that I it was, uh, you know, since it did break, I thought we better mention it. But yeah, what what else do you say? We we, the, we know yeah. very little at this time, of what happened and how it happened and all of that. But uh, but newsworthy nonetheless. Uh, so on to basketball. I kind of want to start with South Dakota State this week. Uh, they're they're now alone in second place, two games behind Oral Roberts. Um, and one player that I thought, uh, you know, we've talked plenty about Zeke Mayo, and we have certainly talked a lot about William Kyle. But uh, that second half against Denver, he he was doing so many things on the floor. And one of the things that I think South Dakota State is missing a little bit that they didn't have or that they had last year is just outside of Zeke Mayo, who's that other guy? And maybe it's not scoring, but William Kyle does so many things when he's dialed in like that. That could be a real difference maker. You know, you know what you're going to get from Matt Dentlinger and Alex Arians and and Matt Mims. Uh, but but William Kyle, if if it can really slow down for him and he can play a little above above that freshman uh, designation. He, he could be a real difference maker. I mean, I think the only thing that's really kept him off the floor at this point, you know, the only reason why he's not in the starting lineup anymore is just because there's just not a lot of teams in the conference that play two bigs like that. You know, it's it's just more of a matchup thing. Certainly not anything he did. Yeah, I mean, you just you watch it the way he moves, the you know his combination of size and athleticism and 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 skill and skill. He has good touch and. uh really has a lot of wow moments. I mean, really, really special player. I mean, that's just, you know, just when you thought, you know, how, how are we ever going to get past Baylor Sharman, not having Baylor Sharman, you know, all of a sudden the next guy comes up and it's, you know, then Zeke Mayo, then, you know, what are we going to do after that? Well, now it's William Cut. you know, that's just, that's just what good programs do. And um, yeah. really impressive, really impressive games out of him. And, and uh, boy, it's nice to bring a guy like that off the bench. It can just affect the game in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely, and it helps with their depth, especially with, with not having Apple available. It's just great to have another big body for South Dakota State, and, and I think they might be starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm and maybe not too far away from having Easley back. So, no, Kyle's performance, um, I mean, he, you guys have both addressed it. He is going to be the guy that can make some of those wild plays, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch it play out. I mean, they played six guys, six guys. So, 
I mean, it, it you know, it, it, that's just kind of the, the where, where they're at right now. And they can roll with it. And re- in reality, like with media timeouts and stuff like that, it sounds worse than it actually is. I mean, these guys are in fantastic shape and they get a day off in between games. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. But, um, you know, South Dakota State, I, I'll, I've been saying it for weeks. Like, I, I think they're the best, the sharpest defensive team uh, in the conference. And I don't I don't know that it's that close at this point, in my opinion. Um, you know, really good defensively, sharp defensively, forcing turnovers and then being pretty solid on offense. And, you know, that, that takes you a long way. Speaking of defense, how about uh, Matt Mims on Tommy Bruner? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a weekly you thing. You got to do him so much. She shoved him <laughs> to get away from him. It, it's a weekly thing. And it's such yeah. an awesome thing when you got a guy like Matt Mims, it just fighting and clawing his way onto the floor. You could argue he maybe should have played more before, but again, it's just like you have to take, you know, Baylor Sharman or Zeke Mayo off the floor. Like you're not doing that. And um, but just has really embraced this role, and it's, it's just priceless, absolutely priceless when you're considering, you know, the other players on their team. And he's he's awesome, man. He's I, I have a lot of respect for players like that. So, so Greg, I want to ask you a question. Did you guys, did you guys see uh, the technical for Eric, Eric Henderson? I did not. But oh, you I'd didn't. Love to, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Uh, so, well, so my thought is, what ended up happening, and so one thing that did come out of that is Zeke Mayo. I, th- I think it was Toko Tynemo, um diving for a loose ball, rolled up on a, on a Zeke Mayo's ankle. So, the, one part of this is. We'll see what his availability is, especially as you talk about. They played six guys. Um, so he rolls up on his ankle, and then uh, Coach Henderson gets upset because that Denver gets to pick the uh, free throw shooter, which is the rule. If a player gets hurt, um, you get the opposing team gets to pick the free throw shooter, I suppose, so that there's not uh, – you know, you could fake injuries to get your best shooter on the floor or whatever. Um, and uh, and so that was what he was upset about. And then just the fact that Mayo was hurt. But here's my take. I, I think Coach Henderson is well aware that uh, when your player gets hurt, you're, you get to uh, you get to pick. The other team gets to pick who uh, who is the uh, free throw shooter. And so the the crowd in Brookings once they found out that or once you had the injury with Mayo was silent I I believe it was an on-purpose technical or at least a let's fire everybody up I'm gonna stand up for my team um I think he's well aware of the rule I think it was one of those I'm gonna try to and if that was the case it worked like a charm because South Dakota State turned what was a close game and and went I mean, it ended up winning by 15, 16, something like that. Um, and so I think it was one of those, I, I see the moment in front of me and I need to to fire everybody up because I'm not of the belief that Coach Henderson didn't realize that Denver gets to pick the free throw shooter. He said he was upset that because he felt they should have been able to pick the free throw shooter. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was that's my take on it. You know, those of you that know Coach Henderson, I has he picked up many technicals before? No, he's not a guy that goes out. Yeah, he's not a guy that goes yeah. out and gets them. But at the same time, and, and I'll let you get back on the sack, but I'm not going to disagree with what Todd said. I think he 
he knew what needed to happen at that point in time, and it was a great opportunity for him, and he and he took it to, to kind of get his guys fired up. I'm not normally one of the guys. I don't really buy into the, oh, I need to pick up a technical to fire up my team. Like, I think that's kind of nonsense 99% of the time. I mean, but this might have been that 1% of the time. Like, it, it worked, right? The ends justify the means, I guess, to a large extent, you know. I'd like to think there's other things you could do outside of picking up a technical to get your team going. But like I said, I, he knows the scene better than we do. And clearly he knew what button to press and press and uh, did it and it worked. So I'm certainly not going to argue against it. You know, I mean, you know, no big deal. I, I, you know, coach Mills picked one up in the oral Roberts UND game too. So, uh, but that was sort of the opposite of this situation, but um if it worked, great. You know, I, uh, it, it's always just too bad when you're arguing and you're wrong about the call, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, whatever. It doesn't matter. They won and it works. So, <laughs> you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and question it. Well, no, you got to wonder are the referees sitting there going, this guy is coached for. I mean, I was watching going, well, clearly they get to pick the shooter. What's he? I, I even asked yeah. the group chat that we have, yeah. what was he upset about? Did I miss something? Because I didn't yeah. understand if it was about picking the shooter. And so as the refs are standing there, you got to think sometimes they're like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 I wonder if Eric Henry just went to them and just said, all right, guys, just, just give me one. I'll be able to, I'll be able to demonstrative here. Just give me one. It's nothing personal. Like <laughs> right. he's, he's just that nice of a guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's just going to, and he's really smart too. So it's not like he's gonna, you know, like, like you said, we know what the actual rule is here. So, but right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I would, I, I never, if I had to, you know, in, from a past coaching standpoint, if I wanted to get on our guys or light them up, I would do it in a huddle. And I think Eric Henderson's the same way. I just think maybe he saw it as an opportunity to maybe, maybe and, and who knows, maybe he was trying to, you know, uh, let the officials know that he thought it was, you know, not an accident or something along those lines. But he probably did just take the take advantage of the opportunity. And um, he's not a guy that goes off the handle that too often. I mean, he, he gets after officials a little bit, but no more than any other coach in the league. And so who knows what the true backstory is? Either way, you can't argue with the result. Greg, how many texts did you pick up <laughs> at Southwest? Um, not many my last few years. I I would guess maybe eight or 10 over the course of an eight year career. Hmm, and and most of many. them were, no, most of them were just stupidity on my part. And, and, uh, that's, that's the way it was. So no, I, it was not a, it was not an overly common occurrence. I will be honest with you about that. You know, the, the nice thing about college officials is they are, I think they're very good in terms of just managing players and situations much better, you know, high school, high school refs, you know, it, you get a lot more ego involved. I feel like in high school where in, you know, if you talk to them, they get spooked and they don't want you talking to them and all stuff like that. Like college officials like you talking to them. Like that was one of the things like I, I had to do that every single game. I, I was constantly talking with the officials, like not yelling at them, but understanding how they're calling that game. Cause I had to use every last little bit to my advantage to make it. And it's a big deal and they like it. And so I have a lot of respect for those officials. I mean, yeah, missed calls happen and stuff like that. But, you know, generally speaking, the way they manage the game is like completely night and day different than high school, as it should be, I suppose. 
Great. Yeah, it is. So here's here's the question. Here I am saying that I think he maybe even on purpose got that technical. Is that something you ever even did? Like that was was that ever a purpose? Uh, something you were trying to do, or is that that something us as fans just think happens and it isn't really a thing? Well, from my standpoint, I I never went out there and and uh, and you know kind of said no, I'm going to do this just to get a technical. No, it, it wasn't. Now I'm not saying other coaches haven't and, and and i and i do think most coaches know there's a they're going to get to a point and they and coaches will make the decision okay i can take one more step and i'm pretty sure i know what's going to happen or i can back off right now and um I, I but i never did intentionally go out there and i just probably you know there's a few times where i go you know what the heck with it i'm going to say what i want to say and leave it at that right. and, and live with what the result is and uh so no, I, I never went out there to intentionally get a technical and I, I didn't want to hurt our team. And I did it less later in my career, which I was, I was glad. I'm sorry it took that long, but you learn. And to Zach's point about officials, I, the, the best thing that officials ever did to disarm me was, you know, I would, I would maybe get on them about a call and the guy would run by and he'd go, you know what? I might've missed that one. And I, and what do you say to that? Right. And as I'm sitting there going, well, okay, you might've missed one. And I probably made about 10 bad decisions in this game already as a coach. So maybe I should just shut up. And, uh, but no, it's, it, it is. I, I appreciated the officials that, that would talk and they'd come over and say, Hey, Hey, talk to me, talk to me. It's okay. And, uh, and, and there is, there's a, there's a skill to it. And there's some college officials that are fantastic at it. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's not easy to officiate at any level for gosh sakes, especially at the division one level. Yeah, Greg, I think you said something important there. There are no technical fouls in college basketball that are surprises to anyone. Right. Everybody knows the line. You know, everybody knows the magic words. It's not mm-hmm. a surprise. Everybody has a feel for the game. When it happens, it's it, it, it can be it can be calculated. So, Todd, to your point, when I've seen it happen, is if like three or four calls are blown in a row. Yeah. And the, and the coach just really wants to make a point that you have to be better and stop missing so many calls. <laughs> and, and even if it, even if forces you to call a technical foul, then do it. But I'm going to highlight that this situation is really bad. And maybe the next 50, 50 call then goes my way is the theory. So, and, and, and it, 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 it might work. It might work. Like I, I, I was like, <laughs> It's sometimes fun to be passive aggressive with the officials and just say, Hey, pick one of the three fouls and call it or (laughs) stop missing so many calls. I can't miss that many shots. I'd be pulled from this game. (laughs) Well, no. And it, and it is true. And and I, I've joked this. I, I, I've joked about this numerous times where I, or I've told you guys this on this podcast, every official that I've crossed paths with that, that, that officiated back when I was coaching, I told them all, you got a lot better at officiating after I got out of coaching. Because you know, the manner in which I watch the game is I'm, I'm so much more objective as, as an analyst. I really am. I mean, we get the replay calls, we get this. And I realize that, you know what, for the most part, these guys do a great job. These guys do a really, really good job of, of handling high-level athletes and, and, and high-level of physicality. And, and then you get the points of emphasis things along those lines. And at the same time, they're human beings. They are human beings. And there are times when they're going to look up at that scoreboard and see, oh, it's eight fouls to one. And they're not going to go, well, we have to even it out. 
but there, you know, there's a heightened awareness, you know what I mean? And so I, I just think it's such a difficult job. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's one that is truly underappreciated because the only time you notice officials is when you're mad at them. Yeah. That's the only time that they get the attention or the ire of the crowd or the coaches is when you're mad at them because you certainly don't go out of your way to compliment what they're doing when they're doing their job at, at, at the right level. So it's an interesting situation. And I would love to know the inner workings of what went on behind uh, Hendo getting that technical, but I'll just go back to what I said. It's hard to argue with the results of how it, how it all played out. Well, and it's, it's, it's funny that you say that, how, how much more objective you got, Greg, a few years ago, I thought, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind doing some officiating of some some uh, youth basketball games. I I like basketball. I'd be around basketball for a day when there's nothing else going on. Then my kids started playing, and I, there's two things I don't really want to do: be an official or a coach for youth youth basketball. Like I, there are so many parents and people around the the thing that do not know at all what they're seeing. And you have to sit and hear all of that that whole time. I just can't imagine. Oh, yeah. well, the the problem with like youth sports and even high school sports is there's always an inverse relationship between how much somebody knows and how much they say. Yeah, true. It's always the people that don't know that say the people that know don't say anything, and so you know, <laughs> bad luck. Yeah. I, I then went, you know, I think it might only be fifty bucks a game. I don't think that's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I encourage everybody to go do a search on YouTube for Frank Martin's uh, speech on uh, officiating youth basketball. I, I, and you know, youth parents, it's, it's fantastic. Um, no, I, I couldn't do it. is a thankless job and you got to be really passionate about it. And I'll be honest with you. I think for the most part, our summit league, we're pretty fortunate with the group of guys that you end up seeing walk in that gym each and every night. Um, it's um, I, I think overall, I think the officiating is, is pretty, pretty darn solid and I think Rob Kuhneman out of West Fargo I, I think I'm not sure if he's has some evaluation responsibilities in the Summit League I think he oversees the Northern Sun but you know we, we're fortunate to have some good officials right in our backyard Kelly Pfeiffer is all over the country we usually end up seeing him in the Summit League tournament Rob Kuhneman as I alluded to and just a lot of other guys that um, work their tails off and, and, and are really good at what they do so I, I, I would never have anticipated um, 15 years ago when I was in coaching that I'd be sitting here have, making these objective statements on officials, but they're pretty doggone good at what they do. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, you want to have a really interesting conversation, go play a round of golf with an official. I, it, long story short, I played in a scramble with Kelly Pfeiffer this summer, and we literally talked college hoops for 18 holes. And it was just, it was really interesting. I talked to him about different calls, different coaches, different situations. Really fascinating if you love college basketball. Yeah, it is. Well, Zach, you had mentioned North Dakota, so so why don't we we go to them? I I think they they split this weekend with with Kansas City and Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. um, but I, at least offensively, it looked like the best I've seen them look going inside out. Uh, I don't remember how many threes they hit against Kansas City, but it was a lot, and I think it might have been the school record. Yep, school um, record. Yep. So so at least looking like there's a bit of a pulse on that North Dakota team this past week. Well, we were talking about how they were having a hard time nailing down the rotation really this entire year. I mean, it was just the chicken or the egg situation. They chase, you know, production and and then that player doesn't produce and somebody else. It's just, they're kind of playing whack-a-mole. 
And I think they finally settled on what they want. And it, they, they cut the rotation all the way down to seven, really. And um, I think part of what enabled this is Tracy Neagle's staff and Matt Norman progressing on defense. So you don't feel like you're just, you know, straight up trading offense for defense. Um, and playing them together a lot, quite frequently, uh, quite, quite frankly. And, you know, just way more ball movement, way more cutting off screens. They're just doing the fundamental things that make any team harder to guard and uh, just doing a great job moving the ball. Uh, like I said, um, the first night, you know, they're not hunting threes by any means, um, but it, I, I was really kind of unimpressed with Kansas City defensively in that first game, at least. Like they kept, they helped off the wrong guy like several times and just kind of more game plan specific things that they just weren't really sharp on. And I mean, it, UND was just running offense and that's what they were getting open threes. And so, yeah, uh, 18 threes, the first night, a school record. Um, they were actually on that same pace against, uh, Oral Roberts. They had nine at half and just, just really couldn't buy a bucket down the stretch, um, against Oral Roberts. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it was really everybody It's Sotenay's knocking down threes. And, uh, by the way, he also dunked all over Connor Vanover. I don't know if people saw that, but it was, um, like, do you remember Kenny George for like from he played at UNC Wilmington, I believe. And when Tyler Hansborough went up and dunked on him, I believe Kenny George was like seven, six or something like that. It was very similar to that. He just ripped through and went up and I, you know, so now I've been, I've been critical on him. He's really struggled making two footers. And then all of a sudden he dunks on a seven, five guy. So it was just, <laughs> you know, it's like the light was really kind of coming on for him and they kind of settled into the rotation. And I think they understand who their best version of themselves are so they can at least, you know, work on that more now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I came away from the weekend feeling much better about the situation. I mean, it, on, on one hand, I feel like the Oral Roberts game was very gettable. On the other hand, you know, that's just kind of what Oral Roberts does. You know, it, it's very much like South Dakota State last year where, you know, it, it, they almost kind of play with their food a little bit, you know. And they know exactly what the formula is down the stretch. They get into the bonus and the Max Aceman shoots free throws and that's that. So um, I almost kind of wish they played basically anybody else other than Oral Roberts after that first game, you know, they, they were, they were rolling obviously that they're not being Oral Roberts, but I don't think anybody is quite frankly, I think Oral Roberts is getting better. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think, I, I think the bottom half of this conference is going to be extremely crowded at the end of the year. I think it's going to be like a one and two game difference between like 10th and fifth. I could see that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it, it is. And and it's, we, we've talked about this numerous times and, and not to belabor the point, but of course that's what I'll do. It's all about matchups and, and it's some teams are a pain in the rear end for other teams. And when you look at Kansas city after, North Dakota handles them. They come down to Fargo and and play exceptionally well. I'm going to jump back to UND for a little bit. I think it's got to be Paul Sather and his staff to, to get to a seven to eight person rotation. In a way, it takes some pressure off those seven to eight guys. You know those guys that he's counting on. And and yeah, there might be some some hurt feelings, but at the same time, those guys, if they're competitors, realize they'd better stay ready because there's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be foul trouble situations, and they're going to be counted on. But it also allows a group of guys to say, all right, let's go do this. I know what my role is. I know how I'm supposed to play. 
I think you tweeted out that that you know you you were Zach, you were impressed with the, the win, and it wasn't so much the 18 three pointers; it was the manner in which they played that that got them those clean looks. And, and I'm guessing an inside out approach and and good ball movement, good player movement. And you got some you know great kick out, step in rhythm threes, mm-hmm. and those are high percentage shots. So I think that's uh, and it is it, it's good for them to find a way to get a win. As you said, I think ORU is clearly the class of the league right now, both talent-wise and experience-wise and confidence-wise, um, all of those aspects. Um, if South Dakota State can get easily back and they can get to, to a consistent seven-man rotation, I think that helps them a little bit. But I, I, I kind of thought this was going to be a huge weekend for them where they could pick up two wins at home, and they did it um, comfortably, even though it was close, probably later than what people thought. Um, but at the same time, uh, if they can get a, a key player back, that would make a difference for them. I think, you know, some things have played out. Um, and I'm sorry I'm jumping all around, Todd, but, you know, the three of us all talked about the fact that you get a big team like Denver, they come in and they handle USD and Vermillion. USD yeah. is going to struggle against bigger teams. NDSU, it's interesting. You get Andrew Morgan goes for 29, but the the, the guard play of of Kansas City Combined with enough role play, key plays made, they were able to get out of NDSU with it with a huge win. And and so, um, I, I they are one of the teams that when it comes to who your first round matchup is in Sioux Falls, I don't want to see Kansas City at the other side of that of, of the you know as that first round opponent. I, it's they're just one of those teams, and they're not a lot. I mean, a, a ton of turnover from last year. But the mentality and, and kind of their grittiness, their toughness, their willingness to really get after it defensively, which they did against NDSU, and uh, cr- to their credit, they bounced back from a, a great UND win against them to find a way to get a split on the road. Well, in Kansas City, you guys both got to see them this weekend uh, live, and you had one game where Shamari Allen and Raquandis Mitchell struggled, and another game where they, they were pretty dominant. All the other parts kind of are just there, although there were some contributions from from players in that NDSU game that weren't Mitchell and Allen. But it does seem to come down to with Kansas City, if if Mitchell and Allen are going off, they're real dangerous. If one or both of those guys aren't, there's just not enough experience to kind of uh, pick up the slack on that. It, it and and so it but the the effort and defense seems to be there every time by the way that's a great point that they need both of those guys to be both of those guys have to be average or better in a game for them to be able to win i i i do agree with that and that's you can't always count on that but they can't afford a bad game from one of those two and still expect to beat a good opponent go ahead zach yeah, they just have to be in attack mode the whole time. It, that was the oddest thing about the UND game was, and it may not have mattered, but I mean, like even Raquandis Mitchell, he was not like working off screens and being difficult to guard. You know, he, I think he made like one or two threes or something like that, but they were all kind of like fade away contested. There was a lot of like one pass shot, no pass shot, um, just kind of odd. It, you know, if you have an odd shooting night, okay, so be it. No big deal. I mean, that happens. That's going to happen a couple of times in a year. But they were not particularly difficult to guard, which is 
odd to say. I should say Raquandis Mitchell, but Shamari Allen was tough. He's tough, man. He's He can be a handful when he gets real aggressive, but the more aggressive they are, the better they are. And if, if they're ultra locked in aggressive all the time, they're going to be very difficult, quite frankly. Um, but that was one of the first times that I didn't see that. I kind of wake, I kind of came away. I was just like, man, that's, that's just so odd to, it, yeah. to go out that way. But anyway, I mean, it, you know, it's a long year. Weird things happen. So. And it, and it also maybe depends, you know, you got, you got a bunch of freshmen and a couple of upperclassmen perimeter players. Um, you never know how their preparation was. You know, they may be thinking, hey, we're, we're going to be fine on Thursday, and we, and we really got to get after it on Saturday. You know, I mean, it's college yeah, okay. basketball where you go, you can look at the record sometimes and think it's going to be easier than what it is. And to UND's credit, they stepped up and got a quality win at home. Um, goes back to, you know, Coach Menzies is putting his livelihood in the hands of 18 to 22-year-old kids, and, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, at certain times, but to UND's credit, they took advantage of it, and to Kansas City's credit, they bounced back from it in an impressive manner. So, so Greg, I want to give a shout out to a, a thing that would be missed by many that either didn't watch the game or 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 uh, maybe weren't watching real closely. How good was Javen Sull- Sullivan's defense on Grant Nelson on that last shot? It, it was fantastic, I, and yeah. we're talking about a six-five. Yep. Six, yeah, six five freshman from Elkhart, Indiana. He did a fantastic job. And if you watch the replay, he didn't follow him. No, he didn't. He nope. did not follow him. He moved his feet. He kept his hands high. He didn't drop him when Nelson went up. And and I think Nelson probably almost initiated more of his off balanceness, if that's a word, than Sullivan did by any contact. I just think he was looking to lean in and, and, and be able to kind of find kind of that brace to get straight up in the air. And it never happened. And it was really an awkward shot. I, I give the young man a world of credit to be able to defend that way against one of the best one-on-one players in the league and not bail him out with a foul. I thought it was the right call. And if NDSU fans want to be mad at me, they can. I thought it was great defense and it was the right call, right non-call. Yeah, I just thought it was that special that, that the young man deserves a little bit of a shout out. On, on a he really, really does. Good yeah. So I, I want to go back to Oral Roberts uh, real quick and something I was just thinking about them the other day. So two years ago, the big run in the tournament. Um, clearly, two years ago, even though they finished third or fourth in the in the conference, I would say by the end of the year that team was much better than last year's team. And then now you've got this year's team that which I think. Honestly, at least for the during the regular season, is the best of any of those three teams, and and I don't think it's particularly close. One of the things that I wonder, and Connor Vanover and Kevin O'Banner are very different types of players, but one thing they do have back is that pick and pop from the big that they had with O'Banner and and being able to play with that, and then you add in um, uh, Patrick Mwamba and the defense he can play. What do you guys think about that added dimension that, I mean, Connor Vanover at seven, five, I don't think you can even cover it when he's, when he can pop out and, and, and do that. It it just has that feel that it did when, when Max and, and O'Banner could play that pick and pop game. It, it's a really beautiful thing that they do because it's so simple, right? And they do a pretty good job of sticking to it and just not overthinking things. So, the question is, who do you put on Connor Vanover, right? 
because I believe NDSU put Andrew Morgan on him. And then, you know, Max does a great job coming off that screen and rubbing shoulders. So his defender cannot make it through that screen. He can't. Best case scenario, he trails around. He goes over the top because you don't want to go under the screen if you're guarding Max Asmus. And then Max turns the corner and he's he's going downhill and he shoots 92% uh, from the free throw line. So um, you really need to put somebody on Connor Vanover that can switch that that screen, right? Because you cannot have Andrew Morgan guarding Max Asmus. You can't do it. Um, but Oral Roberts is, Oral Roberts is going to get that every single time. Now you put somebody on Connor Vanover that can switch that screen and Connor Vanover rolls right into the post. Right. And then yeah. you're, you're, you're screwed at that point too. So it, it's very good. I mean, they're, they're very good about just keeping things simple, being disciplined and running that over and over. Um, I thought they could have got the ball into the post for Connor Vanover even more than they did, but there was there was a couple times against UND they UND basically did everything right, and you know Connor just gets a catch and takes his time and shoots right over the top of the defense. He's seven five. I mean, he's basically he releases the ball at basically ten feet. So, <laughs> yeah. so like it, it, you really it's gonna take a really unique. Uh, personnel group to be able to guard that very well. Um, it's going to take like a Grant Nelson on Connor Vanover. And like, I don't know that you're going to be able to play Andrew Morgan and Grant Nelson together against that team, you know, for example. Um, but most teams don't have a guy that can do that. You know, it, it right. takes I, like to beat Oral Roberts, you need big guards and you need a really dynamic, like six, eight, six, nine, six, ten guy who can move his feet and maybe even switch on to the point guard. That's the formula. And then you need a, a post that can pick and pop because Connor Vanover can't hedge a screen, right? So that's what's there is the, the, the pick and pop against him, And you have to switch that screen. You have to be able to switch that screen and not just let Connor Vanover roll right into the post and shoot jump hooks all day. So it, um, that's a very good point, Todd. And it's a very, big problem for a team to solve and if they can solve it well then they just go do something else but not really anybody has been able to solve that with regularity yeah yeah well then the the other thing they do and and greg i'll let you chime in as well then you got carlos jurgens who's so good down low against smaller guards yeah or roberts people around yeah. They're doing such a great job of getting the ball to the right person. And that, mm-hmm. that has the mismatch. It's there. You know, may, people maybe make jokes about coach Mills and, and some of the X's and O's stuff. I don't know this season, they are finding ways to put, take advantage of matchups. And it's one of the things that like, as an analyst, I try not to make too big of a deal of, but to your point, you see it all the time when there's an advantage out there or a point guard switched on a post and they don't throw the ball to the post or, you know, a post switch on the point guard and the ball doesn't find the point guards to, to take the post off the dribble, you know, like all the time it happens, but for Oral Roberts more times than not, not every time they find the correct person, they find the positive matchup and they hammer at it. So you know, obviously you have to be very skilled and you have to be very well-rounded to take advantage of that, but they do. And it's a, 
it, it's it's there's a lot of plays you just kind of tip your hat because they find the right thing and then they hammer at it and it's like of course they're going to win that you know but it shouldn't be overlooked that they were disciplined enough to stick to it because most teams aren't right yeah it's i mean they are i mean they're difficult to guard i think they're a team that you have to decide okay we're, we're not going to let the backcourt beat us and and so if vanover's knocking threes down we have to live with that um there might be some things where you just say, we know we're going to give up certain things. And if Vanover from behind the three-point line, you better hope it's a night where he's not shooting 45 or 50%. And the other thing you look at is, do you completely take away the uh, the screen and roll game? Do you get to where you're icing ball screens, where you're not allowing guard play to even utilize the ball screens? And, and then is that your normal method of defending? And are you going away from what your strengths are defensively to try to do some things that are unique uh, against a specific team. And those are all coaching decisions. You know, I, I wasn't smart enough to have multiple schemes. And so I said, we're going to do, do it this way. We defended ball screens one of two ways. We either, we either switched them or we doubled them. I know that sounds crazy. We, we wouldn't hedge and go under. We wouldn't, we wouldn't help and recover. We would either double or, or, or switch. And, and, and it just depends on what you're willing to give up, what you're willing to accept. The second thing I'll say about Oral Roberts, you've talked about some key personnel. I'll, I'll throw Weaver and Thompson in there as well. Yeah. These guys have been around forever, and, and they understand what it takes to be successful. And I think on any given night, they're capable of stepping up and probably more so in a consistent manner than what they did the previous two years. Um, I'm not going to say Vanover's better than O'Banner. He's certainly a different type player. He's much more of a rim protector defensively. I don't think O'Banner was ever known as a defensive force, but he was certainly an ex- incredibly valuable offensive weapon. And and Vanover seems to have stepped into that role offensively. I think he brings a, a, a different level defensively as well from a rim protection standpoint. So they are. Um, they're, they're really good. I don't know that they're last year South Dakota State good, but even though South Dakota State got beaten in the first round of the tournament, and, you know, the couple of years prior, Oral Roberts goes on a Sweet 16 run. Um, but they're really good. And I think they're capable of being a 12 seed. I really do, um, based on how they finish things out here. But they've got a, they've got a lot of work to do, and, and, and everybody will be gunning for them, and we'll see what happens. And everybody will be fighting for that two or three spot because you, if, if you believe you're good enough to beat Oral Roberts once, it better be the right time. And so you want to try to stay away from them in the semis of the uh, conference tournament. You know, the, the one thing that um, obviously they, they play much differently than South Dakota State last year, but the, the common trait is they never panic. They know yep. exactly what they're doing. They have the ultimate belief in themselves. And it's funny how, like, those great teams, they play, like, the same game over and over. Same mm-hmm. thing that we said last year about South Dakota State. Uh, it's kind of happening with Royal Roberts. So they just have this – they just kind of go about it like a business, business-like approach and – you know, keep the game boring and um, just keep moving on. Keep stepping the way through the schedule. Pretty impressive. I agree, and that's what the best teams do is they fall in love yeah. with boring because they will rep the same stuff week in, week out, day in, day out, and they know that, listen, yeah. you know, the, the more consistent we get, the harder we are to beat. Yeah, they're never going to beat themselves. Well, Greg, I, I know you didn't weren't on the call for North Dakota State uh, Oral Roberts, uh, but that first half – probably the best half of basketball that I saw two summit league teams play against each other. 
and they interview Coach Richmond at halftime, like like they always do, and he talked about needing to defend, and and that would be the key to the next half. And Oral Roberts came out and just shut him down, and yeah. and and it was just that's another thing that you know we always end up saying about Oral Roberts are if they defend then then they are tough to beat and they're they're it's just they're on a mission right now it doesn't mean it'll stay that way um but they sure seem on a mission right now the the, the, the last thing that stood out to me about Oral they're real good in transition they push it hard and they're good like they find an extra six to ten points because of how hard they push it in transition and how good they are um if they were a little bit better at forcing turnovers they'd be a bigger issue uh, I don't think that they're great at forcing turnovers, but when they do get a chance, whether it's on a long rebound or something, they're good in transition. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, they're incredibly talented offensively. And I just remember watching that first half, and 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 that's sometimes I get mad at myself because it's hard for me to watch as a fan. I, I watch as an analyst, and I'm going, this is not a sustainable game for NDSU. I mean, it was a fantastic rhythm offensive game back and forth but i'm just looking at it going ndsu if they're going to win this game they cannot play the second half the way they did first and, and expect to be able to outscore oru um, even though ndsu has good talent and things along those lines and that's what happened is they struggled offensively oru stayed in their rhythm created separation and kind of ran away from them and ran away from them and hid in the second half but it's it, you know the good coaches like dave richmond will learn from that um, I think he'll teach his kids a lot. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But ORU right now playing at a different level than the rest of the league. I look at two through nine. Two, I, I, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea right. how these standings are going to end up. South Dakota State has created a little bit of separation, but they got to go on the road yet. And, 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 and uh, they got ORU at home yet. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But. Yeah, at least at the very least, three through seven, three through eight, three through nine is going to be an absolute flipping Thursday night bingo game at the VFW, drawing those things out of a out of a out of a bingo tumbler. I I have no idea. And then, and even at that, how do they match up? The seeds are almost irrelevant. It's so much about matchups in in a lot of those games in the first round of the summer league tournament. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That, and I don't want to turn this into an Oral Roberts podcast, but I, I do want to mention something. I, I, and I said this on Twitter, you know, we talk about the scoring and, uh, and shooting of Max Acemas. He's such a complete player. Oh. It just, it's so fun to watch him that do the right thing almost every time. Plays 40 minutes and barely breaks a sweat. Yeah. No, he is. I mean, we, and we've been so blessed. You go back yeah. to the Mike Noms, the, the Taylor Bronze, the Baylor Shiremans, the the uh, um, John Conchars, the, the Sam Greasels, and 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 Max Acemas has been there the entire flipping time. Took his team to a Sweet 16, right. um, and was that close to an Elite Eight? Uh, you know, I, I've said it thousands of times. You know, six out of ten times he he buries that three. They could have moved him to the Elite Eight. We are we are fortunate and blessed to be able to watch this young man play in the league, and 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 it's going to be a, enjoyable to watch him play out his final season. Hate to say it, I don't think anybody runs out of eligibility this year, technically speaking, because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he could 
could actually come he back. He could play another year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he really wanted to. But the NIL and is everyone else on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. The uh to to your earlier point, Zach, and I think Greg, you mentioned this as well. Three through eight or three through nine right now, they're two games separating. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a big mashup. You know, and, and especially with you know, I you know, South Dakota bounced back nicely the second night, but like what I see out of them really scares me. I, and this was a guy who was high on him, you know, preseason, obviously. Right. I, there's, I hate to say it. There's a blueprint out there. And if you know what Denver does offensively, it should not surprise you why they were able to handle South Dakota. Right. Um, not every team is as disciplined to get the ball into the post or, or into the paint at least um, every single time down. Denver is, and look at the result. And um, you know, I, I I hate the I hesitate to even say it, but you know, I, I it almost looks like some teams are starting to kind of pick on AJ a little bit defensively just because he's not quite back yet. But um, you know, that definitely concerns me. Obviously, a real rough weekend for for Omaha. You know, yeah. I think they lost by an average of about 19 points. So, yeah. um, wasn't exactly expecting that. You know, it's odd. You look at the average margin in the game, and, you know, both Omaha and Denver are well below UND, despite winning two more games. Yeah. So, I mean, I... Every team is showing just barely enough that would stop you from saying I'm hitting the panic button, but there's, it's, there's a lot of games for the taking out there. Holy smokes. Well, and just looking at the standings, the following teams have one or two road wins total on the season, Omaha, St. Thomas, Kansas city, South Dakota. That's on the season. I, I do recognize that, um, non-conference a lot of the road games are tough tough games and and by games but but you you know omaha looked pretty bad this 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 weekend on the road and and could come back and and look just fine at home it's it there are just some teams that just don't win away from home it is it's it's hard to win a game whether you're at home or on the road it's hard to win a game and it is difficult to win on the road and and I think one of the one of the sentiments that we've all echoed numerous times, we have a number of incomplete teams in this league. We have a number of teams with with a number of deficiencies, talent without question and and uh, toughness, no question. Great, great coaches in this league. But there's an, a ton of incomplete teams in this league. And that makes it difficult to go collect road wins. And it's there's no surprise or, or coincidence that the most complete experienced team in the league, ORU, has found a way to win quality games on the road. I'd say there's eight incomplete teams. Yeah. 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 yeah I think true. that's fair. Yeah. And I think yeah. once easily comes back for South, for South Dakota State, they become better. But I do. I think they have depth of talent. I just they have depth of experience. They just don't have the talent level that ORU has, but they certainly have quality experience. And it takes time. Like in South Dakota, a lot of those guys, South Dakota State, a lot of those guys have been together for a good amount of time. They played a lot of college basketball and it shows like yep. yeah. you can't fix these things overnight. It just takes a little time. And, um, you know, some of these 
programs have time on their side and some of them really don't. So right. nothing you can do about it though. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to feel sorry for anybody. That's for sure. No. And, and I'll go back to the thing you guys kicked off the podcast with. Um, the, the freshman in South Coast State, Kyle Jr. I mean, is there a better environment for a freshman to step into than that much experience that he's surrounded with where he yeah. doesn't have the weight of the world? I mean, that that's how you ideally develop freshmen and allow them to grow into their role is throw them in with a ton of veterans who are there just to build them up and, and, and help him develop. You couldn't ask for a better situation for him, and that's going to help them be a, a, a better, a higher quality team as the season goes on. Yeah, those programs that have those players that have stayed in the program for three, four, or five years and then can bring in freshmen to learn from those guys that have been there for three, four, or five years have an incredible advantage over the programs that are trying to start that process, you know, and, and it, it shows. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, and that, with that big mashup of teams and, and all of that, it's, it's interesting to see because Omaha has really been mixing up their lineup, Tony Osborne and, and uh, um, Jason Glover play started and played a lot of minutes over the weekend and looked pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then you have Luke Jungers coming off the bench who can really shoot the ball, but I, it feels like they're transitioning, trying to figure out what they've got with some of those younger players too. Tevin Smith looks like he's back. He 20 points on Thursday and I, he had another good, decent game on, on Saturday. Um, so even this deep into the season, we're past halfway through the, the conference season, things are changing. And so what we know now, we we won't know in three weeks. It's it's going to be an entertaining finish to the year. I I agree with you. Tevin Smith getting healthy for healthy for Denver is invaluable yeah. because not only does he make his position better, he makes he elevates the level of play of his teammates. That that could be a huge shot in the arm for Denver because I I would venture to say that they're one of the teams that have may, maybe underperforming. Um, more so than, than a lot of other teams in the league to this point in the season. But they're still a pretty scary team to play against, especially if they're playing well and Smith is playing well. well and, Greg, you said an interesting thing about with South Dakota State and Oral Roberts playing together. You know, Denver is not necessarily a young team. It's a, a lot of uh, Division One transfers. Yeah. But it's also a bunch of guys that, I mean, the inconsistency maybe shouldn't be shocking. They It's still their first year playing together. It's It's still – you know, learning what each guy does and how they do it. And and so you get that great performance one night and then just looking completely different the next. Yeah, and you get when you get halfway through the conference season, as a coach, you just go, listen, guys, we don't have any excuses about inexperience and not enough sure. time together anymore. Now is when you, you better see some real jumps in, 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 in level level of performance. And I think that's okay for these coaches to ask it out of some of their veterans and and even some of their freshmen. You're not freshmen anymore. You've already played an entire high school basketball season. You know what? You're you're a college sophomore by, right now. You need to be making better decisions and playing at a higher level. And those are the challenges I think a lot of coaches will be putting on some of these guys. And we'll see which teams respond and and take it take the next step over the next two three weeks. The uh, is it the North Dakota North Dakota State game this weekend? Friday night. Oh, it's yep. a Friday night game. Gotcha. Okay. You're on the call, right, Greg? Yes. Yep. You're getting back for that one? Good. Yep. Good. Um, 
it's all uh, the UND Western Illinois game is uh, is also getting made up on Monday. Oh yeah. Right. So yep. yeah, so UND had to turn around right after that Oral Roberts game and go to Western Illinois, which you know I I don't know what to make of that. You know, it's certainly I think both teams are looking at it as a gettable game. You know, I think Western Illinois is a team that UND can guard for the most part. Um, you just don't know what, what version of the UND offense shows up. Uh, winning on the road would be incredible. I mean, it would be a huge lift for UND to get this game, especially considering Denver and Omaha are on the Kansas and, and Oral Roberts stretch here if you're trying to you know make way toward you know up from the bottom of the conference. And then uh, obviously South Dakota and South Dakota State on the road, uh, Western Illinois and St. Thomas. So um, the weekend. So that, that's what we got looking at here. There's a South Dakota Colorado State game on the schedule. Um, is that actually going to happen? I have not seen that. When's it, when's it on the schedule, Zach? Well, it, it was on the schedule on the Summit League website, but that can't be because it has it. It has it for Friday, even though there's a Thursday Saturday game already <laughs> scheduled. You, that you said you said there's South no Dakota, way, right? I'm I'm gonna go to their website once I'm gonna you double said check South that. South Dakota, too. Zach. Yeah, South Dakota. Yeah, there's nothing on ESPN, but yeah, that has to just be a typo maybe or they, something yeah yeah maybe they try to get something scheduled and i don't know huh yeah i'm not seeing anything here so it nothing's on their website so that must just be the the conference website must just not have updated yet so, yeah. so no, no they don't have to fall they don't have to fly to colorado uh springs or, or not not colorado <laughs> springs fort um, collins yeah. yeah fort collins yeah. yeah on friday and fly back on saturday <laughs> that's probably good yeah yeah well, it'll be nice to get some bonus ba- some bonus basketball on Monday. Uh, a game yeah, for I both mean, teams that is kind of important. I mean, Western Illinois four and four in in league play now. Yeah, and, and it, it is kind of interesting. You know, Western they kind of they've they've been sneaking some that that St. Thomas Western game. Uh, phooey. that yeah. a very un St. Thomas like game. Yeah, I mean, was... they they scored what fifty six points or something, and yeah. You know, you know what's funny? Like, it seems like like it took UND hitting 18 threes to get near 40% field goal percentage. And St. Thomas can score 56 points, and Riley Miller c- can go over, and they're still at 40%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, it's, yeah. But, you know, hopefully it's not a trend like we saw the second half of last year for St. Thomas, but. Yeah, I, I'm a little worried about that, but they've been so bad on the road and so good at home. I mean, yeah. they, South Dakota State goes there on Thursday. Would we be shocked that St. Thomas pulls one out at home <laughs> against South Dakota State? It's going to be a fun one. That, that's going to be really, really fun. Hope everybody gets I, out there. I think they're sport. undefeated at home this year, St. Uh, Thomas. Yeah. And that could be, and, and, and this is kind of a, this will be a bellwether game for South Dakota State. Are they, are they moving in the right direction? I mean, they, 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 they swept at home, which I think all, most of us thought they would this weekend, but are they taking those steps? And they, and you know, they, that those, that home sweep follows up a, a big win in, in Vermillion. Um, are they moving in the right direction? Are they trying to close that gap on, on ORU? I don't know if it's possible, but are they, are they trying to separate themselves at least at the very least, from the rest of the league, I think that's that's a big game on Thursday at St. Thomas. Yeah. To be honest with you, yep. And what's funny is it's like it's nothing 
like none of these gyms are really intimidating, you know? I mean, I guess or Roberts is a pretty good environment and whatnot, but it's not like it's anything about the building or the crowd that affects it. It's just travels hard and people yeah. are a creature, creature of habit and travel disrupts that. So especially when you got to fly to Macomb on Monday, then back to Fargo on Friday or whatever. Back to so, your arch rival on Friday, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, four different ga- days this week with uh, Summit League games. So plenty of opportunity to consume some basketball. And we're at the we're- halfway point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're I think we're kicking off the so well actually UND Western Illinois that'll finish up the first half and then we're in the mm-hmm. second half yeah mm-hmm. wow and then before we know it, we'll be in Sioux Falls good lord yeah all right well heck I might have to take the ten year old to uh South South Dakota State at St Thomas that sounds like a fun game to go to got to raise him right yeah That's right yeah, exactly. That's a good idea yeah. Todd good parenting yeah. tip. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? I, we're closing in on an hour. I think we got most of this week's action covered and, and went a little bit into the next week's games. Uh, so I, we'll, I suppose we'll wrap up for this week. Yeah, tweet at us who you'd like us to interview. We, we're, we're kicking yeah. around some options for interviews out there. If you guys would rather us interview somebody or some program more than others, I'm guessing yours. But um, just just let us know. We, we're always open to suggestions. Yeah, we we want to get more interviews in. It it the process just t- tends to take a little bit. But but that doesn't mean we won't keep trying. So um, if you got people, you or even heck, we'll go to former players or whatever. Well, yeah, we're what people want to hear. We would like to to uh to mix it up a little bit. So all right. Well, until next week, gentlemen. We'll